Hey, it's Ali. And Supilo. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Ali and Upile podcast on serial entrepreneurship. Today we have uh, Yariv, who's joining us from Leap Gaming all the way from uh, Israel. Yariv, how are you? Very well. How are you, welcome, Ali? Welcome, Yariv. Welcome. Thank you very much, Upile. How are you guys? We're good. We're good. Great. Um, maybe you want to kick us off with uh, a bit of a, your background, um, kind of what Leap Gaming is and how you got into Leap Gaming in the first place. Sure. So I'm Yariv Lissaur, I'm 41, I live in Tel Aviv, married with two kids. I'm the, the founder and CEO of Leap. Uh, prior to that, I used to do VC investments here in, in Israel. Uh, worked for a VC fund which mainly focused on early stage startups. Before that, I did banking in Hong Kong. And before that, I was actually a lawyer practicing law here in Tel Aviv. So my background is quite diverse, and I'm a living example of someone that uh, life happens to him while he is making all kind of other plans. But so far, so good. I mean, it's it's been a, a great experience. I, and when it comes to the the nature fit for me, I believe after spending some time in career management, is definitely entrepreneurship, and uh, and that's that that type of ecosystem. When it comes to Leap, um, so Leap Gaming is uh, is a provider of uh, 3D gaming applications to the gaming and betting industry. We have our own proprietary tech that we developed and continue to develop in-house, mainly in the 3D generation platform space. Uh, and on top of that technology, we generate uh, gaming content uh, with several USPs, which are very, very particular to the gaming industry, so I won't bore you to death with them about that. But uh, we mainly, when it, comes, when it comes to our business model, we partner up with gaming operators from across the, the globe, mainly in Europe and the UK, and we license our content to them, and they make the content accessible to end users. Awesome. So, just quite... An interesting um, start there. But how did it all get started? And so uh, I can see you started off in legal, right? Yeah. And yeah, um, yeah. could you just like maybe walk us through how did it all become for you then? So you leaped to uh, Leap Gaming. How did it all start? So I did uh, I did legal work for a couple of years. I mean, I, I was trained, uh, I, I studied law and economics, and I practiced for about three years. I uh, came to a very clear realization that uh, litigation wasn't the, 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 the space for me, mainly because of the reason, because of the fact that it's, uh, it's very adversarial, and I, I'm not a big fan of adversarial uh, ecosystems. So uh, in 2006, I went and did my MBA in INSEAD. And after that, I got recruited for, uh, for Standard Chartered Bank in Hong Kong and spent a few years there and then moved back to Tel Aviv and started my career in this uh, startup environment, first as an investor in Synergy and then as, an, as a founder here in Leap. So when it comes to the transition from legal to to other spaces, I would probably sum it up in this particular reason, this uh, adversarial space, which is not the perfect fit for me, for sure. Nice. So, but how, how did you start Leap Gaming? Like, how did you get to the idea that this is the industry that you want to focus on and then this is a specific idea within the industry that you want to actually focus on. Well, me and a couple of and and the the, the co-founders, uh, we looked into the gaming industry, the gaming space, and uh, we some of our co some of my co-founders are very, have very strong skills and strengths in the 3D development space, and we looked at the gaming industry as kind of a uh, very attractive segment of the market uh, 
for various reasons, uh, but we, because of the fact that we had this very specific skill set in 3D development, we looked at the specific vertical where our main strengths can be applied, and we identified virtual sports as the one vertical where these skill sets are super acquired. I mean, you can develop all kind of gaming content, and you can come up with all kind of various USPs for this uh, industry. But when it comes to uh, the segment that really requires these strengths, virtual sports was definitely the top one. So we started drilling down into this particular vertical, uh, and we found out that we can add a lot of value into this vertical in various new features, new graphic content, and new concepts. And this is why we decided to go all in on this one. So our strategy when it comes to when we when we after we identified this particular vertical in gaming virtual sports then we started to come up with a, to think about a go to market strategy that would would allow us to target other verticals not only virtual sports which is a very specific vertical in the in the entire industry so our go to market strategy was based on specifically that penetration via virtual sports, and then leverage on the skill set that we have in 3D development and also on the distribution channels that we will have developed after we got into this virtual sports space to upsell and cross-sell into other gaming verticals as well. This is why it was virtual. This is why we chose virtual sports, again, playing to our strengths and devising it as a key component of a go to of a broader go to market strategy gotcha so to to summarize it was the people that you're around had these core strengths and you wanted to leverage their core strengths and that's kind of how this company came about yeah and uh, and we believe here i believe and we believe in leap that it's uh, super super important you have to try and play to your strengths i mean there is a lot of noise in the market there is a lot of noise in every industry that you will choose uh, and there is a lot of distractions a lot of opportunities that you have to uh, consider and eventually say no to uh, and the, the main guiding light for you as an entrepreneur and this is uh, this is something that i can i can attest and 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 i vie for is that you have to play to your strengths you have to identify them you have to be honest with yourselves play to your strengths because the main idea eventually is to be very let's say dominant in the specific vertical specific segment that you target otherwise you won't have the stamina you won't have the time to uh, to thrive, right? So, when you were working with these guys, was it more so I want to start a business? Who are the people around me that want to start a business with me? What are their strengths? Let's go with that. Or was it I'm kind of certain that I want to start a tech business? I kind of know I want to get into gaming or into uh, 3D applications, and then I'm going to find people that I know of that can do that. For me, it was the the former. So it was first finding the right people and then mapping out the strengths that we all bring to the table jointly and then figuring out to which kind of verticals in the in the market we can apply these strengths. Gotcha. It's a very... It's a very interesting approach. So you were kind of... You yourself were kind of like unilateral. You said, look, I got all this finance and legal background, I can apply it to almost anything along with my venture capital background. So if somebody has industry expertise, like let's say your friends came to you and they said, we are experts in, I don't know, developing F1 steering wheels. Um, You would say, great, I can provide you legal, financial and venture capital like advice. And let's go and develop some really cool kick-ass steering wheels. Is that kind of right? It's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty accurate. Yeah. So so quite interesting stuff there you mentioned. Um, so till this point, which hurdles did you actually, you know, personally face and how did you overcome them? So obviously you said, you know, the most important thing for you was finding the right team. Um, and then what happens after? So, you know, you, you, you run this, this podcast and you, you, uh, you speak with many entrepreneurs and, uh, I'm sure that nobody 
nobody says that it's a that it, this path is uh, is uh, is done on a bed of roses, full of challenges, full of obstacles, full of hurdles. Absolutely, that you have to that you have to deal with on a daily basis from various disciplines. For me personally, when when we started off the venture, for me this, it 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 mainly uh, applied to to the industry. It took I'm didn't come from the gaming industry, so it took me some time to get up to speed. And various assumptions that I made about the industry, I had to throw to the garbage very quickly. Um, so I guess when it comes to hurdles, um, it's it's not really hurdles. I mean, it's probably a, an embedded component of this whole world of startups and entrepreneurship, this unknown all the risks that you uh, that that you encounter, the, the the fact that there is much there there is not much certainty in any step that you make. This is probably the main challenge, and the main let's say idea or the main uh, the most important thing in in taking this path is de-risking, trying to uh, test you as many assumptions as quickly as possible. So you can uh, make assumptions, change them into facts, and then you can move on in a in a more strategic, well-devised path. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's, yeah, smart there, really. And uh, do you would you say that that's probably a common reason why a lot of people fail or give up because they don't really they're scared of the unknown, the drive. What would you say? What's your view? What's your opinion on it? Well, I would say that many, many entrepreneurs just think that they are entrepreneurs. They have ideas. They have a certain plan. In certain cases, they also manage to raise some funds and take the dive. And they assume that they will hit certain milestones. And typically, or almost 100% of the cases, they assume that they will make they will hit certain milestones way earlier than they actually do. The problem is when you when there are delays, when your plan doesn't actually come to life, and you have to come up with all kind of ideas and uh, to, to 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 face reality in a smart way. And in many cases. In many cases, many people don't have the perseverance or don't have the oxygen to uh, to sustain. And in in almost all cases that I know of, you know, startups don't fail at a certain point in time. They just, especially in the early stage, they just fade away. Up in the air. Yeah. yeah, they just fade away. They yeah, they just fade away. They run out of oxygen. They run out of cash, and they just fade away. I think so, it's that perception, really. You know, uh, oh, entrepreneurship. You know, once I have the money, it's going to work, and once I have an investor, it's going to work. But actually, no, there's more to it, and that's exactly, I guess, what you're saying. Which hundred percent agree with you, hundred percent. People, yeah. things never, never go according to plan. Never. And you have to assume before you take the dive, you have to assume that you will have almost 100% have to make to, to go through certain various iterations. Certain cases also make a few pivots along the way. So you have to understand that it's a very risky path and you, you, need, you need to have the appetite for this risk. The appetite and also the capabilities to, do, to go through these possible, potential, almost certain iterations and uh, and potentially also pivots, and you also need to have the you know the resources to allow you to do to go through this. So, you know, when when I when I when I speak to other fellow entrepreneurs, or I also remember from my days as a VC, you know, the deck is like uh, it's probably the most important tool that you that you run with with when you go and raise funds, and uh, in, in many cases. Many entrepreneur entrepreneurs relate to the deck as as almost like the Bible. This is our business plan. This is these are the milestones that we will hit after two months. This is these are the targets that we'll manage that we're going for. These are the objectives that we will achieve in after six months. 
And this is how we will get from, uh, you know, a million dollar company to a five million dollar company. And they truly believe that that's going to take that that everything's going to take place according to the plan. So, but you have to be ready to ask yourself an answer to yourself. Okay, what if not? What if it will take you four months instead of two months to get to the milestones that you plan? What if you know? What if the assumptions are not entirely accurate? You need to you need to have at least an idea about contingencies or all kind of uh, or at least ways to test your assumptions from the get-go and be ready for the mm -hmm. risk and be ready to take it absolutely 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 yeah there, there's that old saying right where it's um, actually most recently said by Kanye West where he said man makes plan and God laughs so right definitely definitely agree with you that you can't stick to the plan all the time. I believe also, I believe John Lennon also said something along, along these lines. Yeah, but Kanye West is obviously way more yeah. famous. Um, actually, no, <laughs> I think Ali, you said this actually. What, you, you know, you, you're just making this thing, things up, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, John Lennon was just a copycat. Wanna, yeah, exactly, exactly. I want to I wanna talk a bit about your, your personality, actually. So, you know, you, you said that these friends kind of had this expertise and you worked with them to build this idea. But what it seems like to me then is, you know, you, you go in with the idea, you spend maybe 30 days, 60 days, whatever. And you yourself, you have an interest in the industry, but you don't have a passion for 3D gaming, right? You, you kind of were like, you were agnostic to the idea. You just wanted somebody to work with. How did you manage to maintain that stamina, that endurance? How did you not say 60 or 90 days in that, you know what, I don't even like this industry. I've never worked in this industry. All my assumptions about the industry are wrong. Why am I still trying to make things happen? Well, I think yeah, this is a very good question. I, I think you touch you touch on two different things in in this question. First of all, it's, a, it's about building passion. Uh, passion is key in 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 our business. Passion is is the fuel that keeps you running, and you have to keep run constantly, regardless of anything. That happens happens along the way. So how do you how do you build passion, especially for a guy like me that did that didn't come from the gaming industry? So for me, passion is something that is very clearly associated with people. So whenever I see our you know our CTO get super hyped and excited about a new feature that they, that he managed to complete for for our graphic engine, then I get I get carried away. I get inspired. I allow myself to get inspired. You have to take out the cynicism out of you and allow yourself to get, you know, to get carried away by other people's uh, excitement and passion. And uh, so this is how I got passionate about 3D gaming and about the, the, the whole gaming industry. And after I got in, I started to learn more and more about about the industry, about its mechanisms, small bits and bytes that uh, that are involved in the, in this industry. I I got super passionate about it. I think that when it comes to the, especially when it comes to the business side of any industry, there are so many exciting uh, uh, bits that can get you inspired and passionate. So you need the, 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 this little spark and you need to have to create a path for you to learn and understand the intrinsics of the industry. And then you, if you have the character or if you build the character that, again, takes this cynicism out of you and, and, and allow yourself to fall in love, then it happens. So, so you, you fight the cynicism. And I really like that word cynicism, right? Because that, that definitely... Um, talks about uh, about stamina because you you build stamina by eliminating or fighting cynicism, and you build that passion through the passion of others that are around you, and also through understanding how you can apply your own skill set into the industry and into the work you do, which I think is is correct not just of entrepreneurship but also of any job, any relationship, anything that you do. Um, you got to find what you love within it and do that. Um, but but even then, like this is something that is it's just out of left field, right? Like if, if you were to talk to entrepreneurs 10, 15, 20 years ago when information wasn't as easily available on the internet, when people were still not as connected as we are today, they would tell you 
only start a business where you know what you are doing, where you are successful enough, right? Um, maybe 20 years ago, if you started a gaming company, you would take on more of a CFO slash legal role. But for you to now go off and be CEO, drive that vision, understand the market, set the roadmap, um, that. Isn't that isn't that crazy? Isn't that fascinating that you can now do that with the access to information that you have? But it's 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 about access to information. I I, I fully agree with you. It, it's definitely a key factor. Uh, but it's not only access to information that is out there on the web. It's access to information that is out there through people that you that you know or you get to know, and you 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 are not shy to to make a phone to to phone and ask questions. So it's about your network. Network is key. But it's also about the attitude. I agree with you. It's also it's 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 definitely also about the attitude that allows you to learn, that pushes you to learn, and and adds another component of passion that helps you get up the learning curve. And it's you know in many cases um, the fact that you come afresh actually it puts you in a in a in an advantageous position because you come up with some new ideas and you are more willing to learn rather than married to certain perceptions that are in many cases legacy and outdated so any any situation any uh, any status in life can be looked at as a, as a, as an ad, advantageous or disadvantageous it's how you go about it like for me, for example, I can give you an an, an example. Uh, when, when we got when we uh, got into this virtual sports vertical, virtual sports. I, again, I won't get into the details because for for many people, it will probably sound like uh, like uh, an extraterrestrial language. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> we want to hear it. Do it. Okay, you know yeah, what? I'll take you into the details. So uh, yes, yes. <laughs> so, so traditionally, virtual sports was uh, all the products, all the games in virtual sports was were offered as uh, as as a scheduled suite. So there is a certain event. The event starts, and you can place bets on the event before it starts. And once it starts, it is seen. It is viewed by all users across the board. The same event is consumed by everyone. Okay. Because the idea was to come up with something that resembles real life sports, and like if there is a Chelsea Tottenham match, you cannot trigger a Chelsea Tottenham match on the fly. You have to wait until it starts, and everybody watches the same one. So, you know, that was that was the virtual sports world as well. So if I came from the virtual sports space, if I grew in the virtual sports space, I would probably think, okay, we need to compete on this turf. So we need to come up with a scheduled virtual football game that looks better, probably is 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 more neat in terms of UI, UX. Maybe we can improve the mobile experience, you know, all the all the regular stuff. That is not too exciting. It's uh, more more towards the attitude of our same, same, but different. So the fact that we, that I or we didn't come from the gaming industry allowed us to come up with a completely fresh perspective. So we do, so we said, okay, we are in the virtual space, right? We are not constrained by any third party content. We, we don't have to wait to the Premier League events to take place. We create them. We create the events. So why don't we come up with uh, with an instant product that can allow users to trigger events on the fly on demand yeah what's the constraint and then we we started thinking about it for okay so from a technological perspective there is no constraint from a product perspective obviously the the only constraint is that you have to come up with a product but this is something that we know how to do from a business perspective does it make sense it probably does Today, especially today in the mobile world where everybody wants instant gratification, everything has to be right here, right now, on the fly. We don't have this, the patience to wait for a scheduled event to start. Okay, so let's give it a go. And, we, and there it was. And there it was. We were the first ones to offer instant virtual sports games. And uh, and this kind of this ties into the the vertical dominance that I touched on previously because this kind of innovative thinking or fresh thinking 
allowed us to conquer a vertical or a mini vertical. And we were the only ones to, to offer such products for, for quite a long time. And this allowed us to build position, build reputation, build acknowledges across the industry because every gaming, every gaming operator that wanted this particular product had to come to us. But do you do you ever feel I don't know, do you ever look back and feel okay, you know, why am I doing this or is every day like an adventure for you? You know, when nah. does it all get tough and you know how yeah, how do you how do you drive forward with it? So you know, there's a lot you've yeah. mentioned there. Uh I, I think that again, I think that drive, stamina, and motivation, passion is is obviously is, it is if Im- impacted by circumstances, by what happened, what happens to you business wise, personal, and uh, what happens in your personal life. Everything has an impact on you. But if you try to work on 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 yourself in a in a in in a deep way. You have to, if you if you try to develop your uh, uh, let's say stamina or perspective, probably perspective. That's the right word. Yeah. So you have in your mind the ultimate goal, and you know you have full acknowledgement, which is both. Logical and also emotional. There is a there is an emotion. There is an emotional derivative uh, that that is eventually that eventually comes out of the logical notion that it will be a long and a tough road. Okay, so once you know that and you build the and the the, the emotional layers of defense are built into your personality. Then even if there are all kind of hiccups along the way, and there are tons of hiccups every day, you have a bunch of them from various disciplines. You carry on. You carry on. You celebrate successes. You probably celebrate them complete in a completely disproportional manner, and you should. You should. And you try to discount as best as you can the failures or the hiccups, and discount them not. From a business perspective, you obviously need to pay attention. You need to be aware of them. You need to acknowledge them. But when it comes to the emotional burden, you need to try and discount them as best as you can because you have this. And it's not just me talking out of my, you know, it's no. This is what you 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 know. This is what you've been. It's a mindset. It's a mindset that you that you continue training yourself about on a daily basis, and you improve on. The beginning, the first year that we that we work on this project, we were we you know we freaked out about every little hiccup that we encountered. But today, we much you know we we understand in a much profound much more profound manner that it's just a part of the road. We know what the ultimate goal is. We know our mission. We know what we are here to achieve. We have a strategy. We are sure that this strategy and this plan. Uh, it's just a strategy and plan, and we'll have to deviate from it along the way. We'll have to try and seize opportunities and get rid of or run away from pitfalls. But at least you have a certain campus that uh, that, that leads you in a certain direction. And until something super, you know, Armageddon-like happens, you know, small failure is a small hiccups are just a part of the road yeah agreed that, that that's actually very very well put um brings a smile to me that does <laughs> yeah um so i i wanted to ask a bit a bit more about the business um and that that's kind of what where a lot of the hard work has kind of gone into right so i wanted to start by asking about the original usp what what was the the proposition you offered to the users was it right away you thought, yeah, we're going to do instant virtual gaming and some virtual sports? Or was it something else and then through testing you realize virtual, instant virtual sports is the way to go? No. Uh, so, so instant and, and in-play are very strong USBs that we, we, that we currently have an offer, but they, they, they weren't there from, from the get-go. Uh, and day one, 
when we started the, pro- the the company, the main idea that we focused on in terms of uh, USB or uh, sp- special strengths that we had were around the, the 3D creation, the 3D development. The graphic engine that we built is was and still is something very unique, and it allows us to come up with very fast iterations of new content, and it also allows us to to customize the content also quite fast, which is very important for gaming operators that come up that have all kind of specific requirements in terms of branding, look and feel, UI, uh, and, and and what have you. So the main USB from from the get-go was actually around development, product development. After gotcha. after we figured that out, you know, after we understood that we have the basics in pl- in place, we actually are able to develop this content. And you, you know, if if you look, if you go to our website and see some of the demos, it's it's not trivial to come up with our type of content. There are many barriers to en- to enter into this specific domain which was one of the things we, we were very excited about when we got into this space. So once we, once we uh, validated that, that assumption that we are able to generate this type of content, then we started thinking about the next step, which is, okay, we know we can develop this content very fast, so this gives us a huge advantage in, uh, compared to our peers, but... Now, what, what's next? I mean, from, from a user perspective, from a consumer perspective, which is always something that you have to bear in mind, even as a B2B provider, eventually the ones that interact with your content and, 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 and decide whether it would be a success or a failure are consumers. So from a consumer perspective, what would be the USP? You, the consumer doesn't care that you know how to build the content fast. They don't care about that. Yeah, of course. So of what course. do they what would they care about? Okay, so would they care about unique gaming features? Yeah, definitely. So here comes the in-play feature. Will they care about a completely new vertical that will allow them to, you know, to trigger events on the fly? For sure. There, there, there goes instant. Will they need also uh, a mobile interface? Of course. 70. But, how, but how, do you, how do you know these things? How do you know that they're going to want in-play features? How do you know that they want instant features? Is this user feedback that you're collecting? Oh. I guess I guess there's actually two parts to this question. There's, there's how do you know that they want X feature? And then how do you test that X feature? Because gaming, while iterative, still takes time. Absolutely. Right? You still have to build the product, show it to them, and then maybe after six months, I mean, correct me, I don't know the time span, but maybe after a couple months, they say no, we don't like it, and then you go back to the drawing board, tell your developers to remake it. How do you how do you get the feature, and then how do you test the feature? Uh, I'm pr- probably going to say something which is uh, you know maybe a bit controversial here, but we we didn't speak to any user before we came up with uh, with the instant suite. We just we okay. we. Just, you pull the Steve Jobs approach. Got it. Yeah, kind of the Steve. I I don't want to say the Steve Jobs Jobs approach because who you know who am I and who and and who's who's Steve Jobs is. Jobs is but it kind of yeah kind of Steve Jobs approach maybe Peter Thiel's approach I don't know if you you know if it's one of the books that you recommend through this podcast mm-hmm. uh, then good job if it's not then add it ASAP mm-hmm. the, the zero yeah. to one book yeah. right yeah 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 I think you yeah, know I think that we are here as ent- entrepreneurs to really come up with some with something new. You know, it's not if if you come up and you just marginally improve things, then who cares about that? Who cares about that? It's not that exciting, and it's probably not going to be hugely successful. If you look at all the big success, successes out there, you know, and not not only the famous ones, but also you know, if you just go and evaluate um, um, uh, the every every success story that you know, you'll see that they introduce something different. And you cannot introduce something different only after you you test it, right? It's an oxymoron. It's a, it doesn't work this way. You have to be a little bit courageous, make some assumptions that make sense, do your analysis, and gather some data on other similar types of solutions, and you drive certain conclusions from them. 
and then you take uh, you take the dive. So that's a very interesting way to put it. And then what happens when you're incorrect? And how fast do you determine your your inaccuracy? So you talked about the three things, the three features that your gamers liked and a number of features that your game developers liked. But what about the features that they didn't like? Have you launched something? Yeah. Figured out that it's actually a bad idea. How quickly do you realize it's a bad idea? How quickly do you say, stop this, we don't want this feature anymore? Yeah, it happened to, it happened to us, for sure. It happened. Um, my only suggestion in this in this respect is fail, fail fast. This is obviously something that you're, this is a notion that I'm sure you're familiar with. Again, we, we, we are in the, in, in the business of buying time here, startups, entrepreneurs. You buy time until you hit it, and then you're self-sustained. So if you fail, fail fast so you don't burn a lot of cash. Don't fall in love with any of your assumptions. Fall in love with them before you launch. After you launch, throw them out of the window and start testing. But but bear in mind that it's not it's not the end of the world if you if you, if you lose. Hopefully, I mean, in certain cases, it will be the end of the world from your startup's perspective, from your venture's perspective, which is fine. Startups fail, you know. I, I know it's shocking news to everyone, but startups do fail, and you have to also bear that in mind before you go on this adventure. Most likely, much more likely than not, you will fail. So uh, in certain cases, you will have to make certain steps that if you fail in them, it will be the end of the road for your venture. But in certain cases, the failures are something that you can mitigate. So you can survive, maybe you can use certain components of what you developed for uh, coming up with new, more successful iteration. Maybe you, it, maybe the failure wasn't really a failure. Maybe the fa- maybe you expected X and you managed to achieve fifty percent X. So is it a failure? Maybe. I mean, kind of, but it's not a full failure. Maybe you can still put it in the market and allow it to generate some revenues for you. There are many ways to treat a, a failure, and I don't think there is a silver bullet solution to all of them. The, the, the basic notion, or the bottom line, is that you have to have the risk to, uh, the, sorry, you have to have the appetite or the willingness to accept failures with love. Nice, nice, nice. Good key lessons there. Um, Pretty interested in finding out a bit more. I mean, your views on partnerships, right? Yeah. So I I saw that uh, you know IMG. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. Um, is your party's strategic partner? How did this come about? Um, you know, would you say your legal background had something to do with this, or your VC background had a play in terms of you know it's a massive achievement. I mean, partnering with someone like that. How does that help? Uh, in terms of all the failures and really boosting the business model. Well, I, I surely hope that they will not listen to this podcast. Otherwise, they would get you know comp- too excited about themselves. <laughs> but no, but they're, they're they're great guys. It's a it's a great partnership for for us from various aspects, and we're very very happy about this uh, about this partnership with IMG. Uh, I don't think I can isolate every component of my career path to date and, and, and attribute it specifically to to this uh, thing with uh, to this partnership with IMG everything I'm sure it's a mixture of everything together but it's obviously not me myself it's it's the company it's what the company managed to achieve it's the, the team that we have here it's our strategy which is very much aligned with uh, with IMG's strategy so it's all of that together, and and I can tell you also in this specific respect, uh, respect um, and that's also probably an advice worth making when it comes to partnerships. It's it's also it's also a journey. I mean, it, you don't wake up one more one morning and you are a partner of IMG or Fast Forward or any other investor company strategic partner. It's a journey. 
And I always like this uh, metaphor of, you know, an, an iceberg that you only see the tip yeah. of it, mm -hmm. which represents the success. But 90% of the iceberg, iceberg is under the water, and that includes persistence, perseverance, pain, uh, long journeys, a lot of uh, white nights. That applies also to these kind of, uh, of partnerships, building these kind of partnerships. So all the lessons that apply to entrepreneurship in general needs to be applied to building strategic partnerships as well. And, and also when it comes to strategic partnerships, this is also an important point that I wanted to stress out. This is, all, this is also a very kind of risky turf. Because there are many honey traps over there when it comes to strategic partnerships, especially when you are a young or, let's say, early stage venture. In many cases, a partnership with a strategic part partner is perceived as kind of a holy grail that will take you through this early stage uh, hell to the, let's say, round A, round B phase. And in many cases, because of that, because of this need of validation that comes from a partnership with a strategic one uh, you might fall into this uh, to this honey trap and you get and 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 you have to be very careful when it comes to the the terms of um, of such partnership you have to be very careful that you're not exclusively married to this strategic partner there are a lot of or there are potentially there are a lot of interests which are completely not aligned between you as an early stage startup and uh, and a strategic, which is typically, you know, a, a, a blue chip or a well-established company. So this is something that you have to, I'm not saying that you don't need to pursue it. Pursue it. Or you know what? Don't, yes, yeah, don't even pursue it. Be accepting of it, but be very, very cautious. And would you say put it, you know make it as part of your plan, as part of your strategic plan? No, no I wouldn't. I wouldn't put it as a part of the strategic plan um, for two reasons. First of all, it 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 again it might lead you into a honey trap, and it might just make you uh, a slave of a strategic. And also, it from an investment perspective, from an investor perspective, many investors look at these type of these types of uh, of engagements between a startup and, and the strategic with uh, with a scrutinizing eye yeah you have to think or you have to have this uh, you have to have independence in mind you have to always remember that what you want to do is to establish yourself as an independent venture dominating a certain sector and standing on your own feet. If a, if a partnership with a strategic is aligned with this vision, go for it. And this is this is the this is the case that that with it, that I believe that we have with uh, with IMG. And this is this is one of the reasons why we were so excited about this and still are super excited about this partnership. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. And. Uh... To some to a point on domination, right? So you've been running for four yeah. years now. Yeah. With Leap Gaming, and I've I've actually been very you know uh, what's the right word to use? Very empowered actually by, by this session with you. Uh, I'm sure Ali has as well. What's your secret sauce? So in terms of how have you kept going for four for the last four years, and what does the future look like for you? What's next? Wow, that's a tough question. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I had to put it in there. <laughs> uh, help me here. I, I, it's a mixture of so many things, I think. It's, uh, I'll try to break, out, break down a few. Go for it. it, it it's hard to discount the importance of your personal life in sustaining this crazy roller coaster. So... 
if you have an anchor in your personal life, in your out of venture life, that really, really, really helps. For me, it's the family, my wife, my kids, my, my extended family. But yeah, it doesn't have to be this for everyone. I mean, there are tons of all kinds of anchors that are, are, are outside the venture that you can, you can rely on also in, in tough times. Um, so that's definitely a very important uh, factor for me. Yep. And when it comes to the venture itself, uh, it's, it's the people. Uh, it's probably the most important support that I get is from the team here. Support, inspiration, passion. I touched on it previously. Gotcha. Picking, yeah, picking so, uh, the right people. You know, you, you don't have any. I mean, I'm sure you do, but probably, let's say, for the the young entrepreneurs out there, picking the right team to add to your wolf pack. Is probably the most. It's definitely the most important decision that you will make when it comes when it comes to launching a venture. So be very very careful, very selective before you before you, you before you make the selection. Wow. Key key Got key. It. I can I cannot I, you know I cannot. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Sure. No, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I have just two more quick questions. I know we've gone like way over time, but I I personally have learned a lot. Um, I'm sure Upele has learned a lot as well. I'm sure our audience has also learned a lot. Um, so I want to ask one one key question about your business and then just a, a general overall question. The key question I have is, at the beginning, you mentioned that there was, once you had built your business, it was hard for anyone else to to do this. So they had to come to you. Now, Obviously, there's a lot of innovation that this business has done, but what has been kind of the the legal innovation or the the innovation when it comes to developing these partnerships that has either forced people to come to you so you can dominate this industry, or did you just dominate because nobody else could try and, and break the barriers? First of all, I wish I, I could say that we are dominating the industry. Far, far from that, we uh, we 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 tried to to come up with a strategy to dominate certain verticals in the industry. And I think that we, we've been pretty successful in certain uh, verticals. And in some verticals, we, we struggled. Do, it, domination of verticals has two main components. The, 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 the first one is how you conquer it. So how you get into the vertical and you try to monopolize it or hopefully also succeed to monopolize it. Even if it's a small one, yeah, it could be a tiny one. But after you do, after you conquer it, how do you make sure that you sustain this position? So, because if if it becomes a, an attractive vertical, then other competitors will want to come in and take a bite. So, both of these components of let's say let's call it the domination strategy, for a lack of a better term. Um, both of them are very, very important. For us, uh, I think that we were very, succe- very successful in the first component. We, was, we were probably, um, uh, we probably needed to improve on the second component in terms of sustainability because the vertical is attractive, but evidently some of our peers also managed to get in. So, um, but so th- that means that you have to think about the sustainability and you, know, you also have to continue to be on your feet and trying to find some additional hidden gems and additional verticals which may potentially be attractive and conquer them as well so it's an, it's basically a, especially if you cannot come up with a sustainable stra- strategy for continue the this domination of sub verticals it's a never-ending story, which is part of the exciting thing about being uh, being a startup. Mm-hmm. And and the the last question was a much broader question, but um, don't make it too <laughs> difficult, mate. I'm gonna make. I'm, I'm hopefully gonna make this super easy because I I actually know that Yarev has the answer to this. Oh, now it's gonna um, be very difficult. When you identify, now it's gonna be, gonna be embarrassing <laughs> when I don't have the answer. <laughs> I know um, you've done well so when, far, when, so you've impressed us. You've impressed us. 
So, so when, when you have a, when you found the niche, you, you found the niche that you want to dominate, how do you dominate it? What is the, what is the first thing, second thing, third thing? And obviously it's not a, a rank order, but what is it that you do to then say, I'm now going to go and dominate this industry? That's a huge question. Huge. Come on, man. It's easy. <laughs> easy. You know this. You answer it. All right. You answer it. <laughs> I'm going to have to spill all the beans and give you all the secret sauces. The yes. Th- yes. Oh, yeah. one. <laughs> um, there, I don't think that, again, also for this one, there is no straight answer, but it's, what you ask is, 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 a, is an encapsulation of the entire startup concept. This is what you have to do. This is what you have to do. You have to come up, you have to recruit the right team. You have to develop the right product. You have to come up with the right strategy. You have to have a good go-to-market strategy that will allow you to conquer the specific vertical uh, and, and dominate it. And this also applies to the sustainability of this uh, position of domination. Sometimes it's, it is achieved through, uh, through all kind of legal uh, terms. And, and you have to have the right people to, to support your customers while, while you are there in this, uh, in this vertical that you're dominating. So it's, it's, it, that's the story of entrepreneurship. It's all of that stuff combined. And it, 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 you know what? It's, it's, it's maybe a good a good question to raise in the end of the session because that's probably the, the 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 message that I would encourage every one of us to remember before they jump in. You have to come up with all these elements of of uh, of a startup in order to do something big, and domination is something big. Don't go there just to compete. Come up with something inventive, innovative. On both product strategy, go to market, team, and be do something big. If you're taking the risk, go take a risk for something which is worthwhile. Agreed. That is news. No, 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 I think I know. Take that, soak that in, soak that in. Yeah, it's a good way to end the podcast. <laughs> yeah, we, we went over by by a lot, but but you're totally right. If you're gonna do it big. Go big or or go home, um, and I think I think that really hits the nail on the head. Um, I have no more questions, but I have undoubted gratitude for your time. Um, thank you so much for for all the advice and help. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot uh, very educating for me as well. So I really appreciate your time and this opportunity as well. Great, perfect, man. Good luck in the future, and and we'll definitely uh, all right, look out cool. for you. Good luck to you too as well.